Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Road to Recovery group of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Jeff, and I am an alcoholic. Would everyone please turn off their mobile phones or switch them to a silent profile, and please try and keep disruptions to a minimum. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. This is an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. In sport of AA's singleness of purpose, we respectfully ask that sharing be confined to alcoholics. And when discussing our problems, we confine ourselves to those problems as they relate to alcoholism. There may be visitors here who are unfamiliar with our tradition of anonymity. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio and television. This tradition is a constant reminder that personal ambition has no place in AA. We are sure that anonymity is the greatest safeguard AA can ever have. We therefore seek your cooperation in protecting the anonymity of our members at the public level. The format of tonight's meeting will be three ten-minute speakers, followed by a fourth speaker until approximately 8.30. The meeting will then be open for sharing from the floor and closed at 9 o'clock. Can we please have a moment's silence to remember Tradition 5? Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Thank you to our our first three speakers. I would now like to introduce tonight's final speaker, Nick. My name is Nick, alcoholic. Yeah, what a lineup. Fair play, Jim, you're so honest. (laughs) <laughs> I love his honesty, I really have, you know, but um, I'm not going to be that honest. <laughs> um, yeah, and also in a lineup, it's funny because when Wayne told me about a lineup tonight and he said, you know, you're doing the main share because it's my birthday, I thought, oh, that's, you know, you must trust me doing the main share when you've got a powerful lineup like that. And then I thought, maybe don't, that's why he's given that lineup. <laughs> you don't trust me. <laughs> that's what my thinking would be like now, you know, and. Uh, yeah, but it was brilliant. You know, you've got it all there. You know, you've got powerful, you know, you've got humour, you know, when you've got... <laughs> hang on, hang on. And, you know, when you've got someone who can sort of spout in a big book inside out, and then with me, you've just got some... I was thinking this earlier, you've got someone who's just Welsh. You've got the Welsh part now, you know? And, uh, yeah, I love the shares. As I say, I relate to every one of you, you know, and... Uh, and I'm a very, 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 very grateful man. And I really mean that. I mean, what AA has done for me is unbelievable. It's unthinkable. I never thought it would happen for me. I was a hopeless, hopeless alcoholic, just like these guys, you know. And uh, I was a very, very sick man when I came into this meeting, you know. And it's, as I say, 13 years this week. And you know what? A privilege to be sharing, right, at the anniversary meeting on my birthday. Because I'm, I don't think I've had that opportunity yet. I don't think I have. I don't think I have shared on the birthday. And... Uh, 
it's such a privilege, it really is, because uh, you know, I'm not understating it. I owe my life to this meeting and to this group and to AA. You know, it's completely transformed my life, completely changed the world I live in, just like the first speaker said. You know, because uh, I got 25 minutes to spare. I may as well go on a bit, but when I was young, really, I, I always talk about the thinking, you know, because it's this problem, this disease centers in the mind. That's where the problem is, in the head, you know. And I was never right growing up. I look back from when I was young, I was never right. You know what I mean? I was uh, very, very self-centered, you know, very shy. And I always talk about it. I used to blush a lot, and I hated it because I didn't think boys blushed. I didn't. I thought only girls blushed. And I was the type of person, if you make a thing of me blushing there, and I'd blush even worse, and it was terrible. And it makes me sound like such a lovely little boy, doesn't it? But I was a terror. You know, what happened for me was I had uh, two older brothers. One was really straight-laced, went into the RAF for a long time, and he was very straight. And then the other one was a bit of a nutter, you know. And I wanted to be like him, because the other one was a bit boring-like. So I did. I always remember in school, I remember that. My mum coming down, he had like a, the parents' evening, and they said, uh, they said to my mum, they said, uh, can I ask you one thing? Please tell me you've got no more kids coming this way. <laughs> you know, because, you know, me and my brother, we were terrorists when we were young, you know, and, uh, you know, but a lot of it was, as I said, I just, I, I couldn't do life from a young age. I couldn't mix with people, you know, and, uh, and I was extremely fearful. I was in a meeting the other day and someone talked about it. From a young age, I was very, very scared. I was very fearful. And I found mixing with people, being around people difficult, you know, and it wasn't easy. And uh, So what I did, I became the actor. The big book describes the actor, and that was me. I became this actor, you know, always acting out, always trying to be a clown, a class clown, always getting in trouble. You know, I spent years and years and years in school, and I spent most of it in trouble, really, when I think back. I remember when I got in a high in a bigger school, I think I spent two years outside the headmaster's office because I was just in trouble all the time. And I always remember someone coming up to me saying, Nick, do you ever go out on break? And I didn't because I was just constantly, you know, it just felt like this is what I can do. I can't do anything else. You know, I'm crap at everything else. So I can be in a clown. You know, I can be in the idiot. You know, and that's what I was like for a long time. And when I got to a certain age, and I think one of you said it, it didn't change. Everyone was starting to, you know, knuckle down, get sensible, and I just carried on and on and on. And uh, for me, as soon as I picked up alcohol, things changed, you know. But I can honestly say, and some people didn't have this. As soon as I started drinking, right, there was issues. There was things wrong. You know, when I drank, I could never control how much I drank from a young age. I did stupid things from a young age, you know. But I mixed with a gang of people who did stupid things as well. I thought it was quite normal, you know, and. Uh, Sadly, it wasn't, you know, but, you know, I just want to talk a bit about how self-centered I was. This is how self-centered a person I was, and I always talk about this every share. So if I've got another recording, it's probably going to be on there if it's been recorded now. So I didn't. <laughs> it's going to be on that one. But, uh, <laughs> this is how self-centered I was, because I really want to get it across how fearful I was. I used to go up with this girl when I was 16, and I loved it a bit. So, I mean, I really cared about this person a lot, and uh, I couldn't talk to her sober. I couldn't speak to her when I was sober, you know, and uh, when I was with her, when I was drunk, I'd be all over her, it was amazing, I'd be, you know, talking amazing stuff, I'd cuddling her all the time, it was brilliant nights, you know what I mean? But when I see her sober in a day, I wouldn't say nothing to her. I'd walk on the other side of the road and I'd walk past <laughs> her and I wouldn't even wave or nothing, you know? And I should have known then there's something seriously wrong with me, because that ain't right, you know? 
you know, if I'd see her sober, I wouldn't even say hello to her. She used to turn around to one of my friends to ask me stuff when I was sober, <laughs> to do things, you know. But when I was drunk, I was a different person, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that was a long, long time ago. And uh, it's funny, that summer, I chased that summer for a long time in my drinking. I did, you know. We all got that, everyone's got that memory, you know, back in the day, which I chased, you know. And that summer was a good summer, even though I spent most of it drunk. But sadly, you know, it didn't stay that way. It got worse, you know, and I become very, very ill with drinking. And, uh, you know, alcohol become a big part of my life. You know, it's funny because uh, I become a civil servant and, you know, you, you, some of mad civil servant. Trust me, I wasn't your normal <laughs> civil servant. But I become a civil servant, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, trying to live and function in a normal life, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't be around normal people at work. You know, people would speak to me and I would giggle like a little girl and then walk away thinking, why did I just giggle like a little girl? I'd analyze what I did. This was at 18 years old and I'm analyzing what I've done, thinking about what I've done, overthinking about what I've done, you know. I just couldn't socialize. I couldn't function with normal people, you know. And every night I'd come and I'd pick up alcohol or anything I'd get my hands on to get out of my head because what would happen when I went home that night is my head would race. And they all spoke about it. I would just sit there thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And I know now it's alcoholism that is worst. And do you know what? I thinking got worse. I would sit there just thinking this, thinking that, thinking this. Someone said this to me at work and I would just be analysing it over and over and over again. And I need to drink to shut my head up because I wouldn't sleep that night. And the times I tried to stay sober in the early days, I couldn't. You know, I couldn't because I wouldn't sleep at night because my head would not stop. You know, and, uh, you know, sadly it got worse, you know, and I, and I lost that job, you know, because I, I couldn't, you know, I, like I said, I, I became homeless, basically, and trying to be a civil servant when you're homeless is quite difficult, believe it or not, you know, it's quite awkward keying in in the morning when you, you pretty much haven't got nowhere to go at night, and uh, I used to be a terrible state when I was, I really was, you know, they had pictures outside, where I used to work, they had pictures outside of everyone, and they had a picture of me, <laughs> the laugh says it all, really. I looked like the dying one in the corner, you know, I looked like the one who was dying and I didn't have long to live, that's what I looked like, you know, and everyone else was really healthy and beaming and really lit up eyes and then it was me who looked dead, looked like I'd been dead for six months, that's what I was like, you know, and <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't good and, uh, you know, as I say, I lost that job because I couldn't live two lives, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't do both, you know, I couldn't be going to a homeless shelter, like on, on a in a night after being at work all day, I just couldn't function at all. I am not a functional alcoholic. Some people can. You know, there's all different walks of life in AA. You know, listen to the similarities, not the differences. I am not a functional alcoholic. You know, I cannot do life on life's terms. And what happens for me is, I do live two different lives. You know, I tried to work as a civil servant, but the stuff I'm doing at night is chaotic, chaos, alcohol fueled, just madness, really. And you know, like I say, I used to go to work sometimes, and I'd speak to these straight heads, Civil servants. I look at John when I say that, but I used to speak to these people and the stuff used to come out my mouth sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you know, oh, you had a good weekend, Nick? Yeah, 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 I've been locked up all weekend. Do you know what I mean? You know, these people like John, you know, I'm going up to him saying, oh, I've been locked up all weekend, I only got released today. Do you know what I mean? Lucky, isn't I? You know what I mean? As I say, I was far from normal and it just got worse. It's progressive, this illness is progressive and it got worse and it got worse and it got worse, you know, and, uh, and I lost it all. I lost everything. And uh, I am a gutter level alcoholic, you know. That's, that's all I am, really. And the person who stands in front of you 
it's just a gutter level alcoholic, you know, and uh, I never thought AA would work. I never thought I'd find recovery. Because sometimes, like I say, when people get enthusiastic and I get enthusiastic, you go, like sometimes, I'm in my early days of recovery, I used to say amazing nearly every other word, I think. I mean, I'd, be, I'd do a 10-minute chair in five minutes and be just saying amazing all the time. <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I still feel the same, but it's in a different way. You know, in the years, it's totally different now. <coughs> Where I am now from then is a completely different place, completely different place, you know, and uh, just to be able to function normally and to be, you know, to have peace of mind, you know, and uh, most of the time. I'm sure my, my sponsor has something to say about that, you know, because, you know, I'm still a flawed alcoholic at the end of the day. I, that's why I'm in AA. I'm not in AA, right? Because I'm a perfect alcoholic, so I'm not like this perfect person in AA, and I do think sometimes we get that wrong. I'm a flawed alcoholic, man. You know, even though I'm a million miles away from that person I was just talking about, I'm still a flawed alcoholic. And I tell you what, the longer in recovery, the more you see it. You know, when you're in that first couple of years, when I've got to be perfect at everything I do, oh, I can't do nothing wrong, oh, I can't do this. As the years tick on, things change. I love when Mark talks about going to work in the morning, he drives into work in his car, he lets the first person out. Exactly the same, in the morning, right? Drive out, lets the first person out. By the time I get to the end of the day, I'm like, I got Tourette's. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Every other word, I'm swearing, I'm swearing, I'm, get out my way, get out my way, do you know what I mean? You know, I've just driven 180 miles, you know, but honestly, at the end of the day, I'm like, I got Tourette's. I've even had four in my head. It's like I got Tourette's here, you know, just every other word, you know, and, uh, but yeah, as I said, I, I lost everything drinking. I went to prison. Uh, I became homeless and I spent a long time like that. I spent a long, long time like that, you know, and it just spiraled and it got worse and it got worse and it got worse and that. I mean, I, I didn't work for a long, long time. I was on sickness benefit for a long time because I couldn't work. I always remember going in front of a doctor once, one of these specialist doctors, and um, I was living in a homeless shelter at the time and I sat down. And the, the doctor, I sat down with him for like well, about 60 minutes to see if he can get me back to work or not. And after about 60 minutes, he just like, Listen, don't worry, just don't worry about it. It's fine, you go back to doing what you're doing, you're fine, you know, because I, I must have just sat there, just go, blah, 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 just non-stop, you know, and, uh, I think I actually went to prison the next day as well, so I'm glad he didn't write me off to go back to work. That would have been a bit awkward. But then again, I did work in prison. That's another thing I talk about. I did do jobs in prison. I did work in prison. I was a, you know, I was a tea bag packer. I wasn't one of that was really crap tea bag packer, you know. I always remember packing tea bags every day. I'd go in there and then I used to put them all down my pants. So I'd go home with extra tea bags. When I go back to my cell, I used to put them down my socks and my milk sachets and that, you know, until they caught me and then they took my TV off me and stuck me up in a basic cell in the end because I kept pinching stuff from me. But that's, you know, I say that because that's the last job I had. Before I come into AA, last job I had was packing tea bags in prison and he sacked me because I kept stealing stuff, right? And then I was crap as well. I wouldn't turn up half the time because I wouldn't get up in my cell. That's the type of person I walked into AA, you know, 13 years ago, you know? I was a complete liability, you know? And the way I lived my life was very wrong. You know, I was a criminal, you know, because of drinking and other things. I'd become a criminal, you know? My whole life revolved around crime. Doing wrong things all the time. Aggressive, quite violent, you know? And the things I did, I thought it was normal to be like that, you know? Or I thought I would never come up with that, you know? I went into treatment, 
a few times. I think I got went in treatment four times. They threw me out every time, and I blamed them. Even though they threw me out most of the time for drinking. Now, my last time I was in treatment, they threw me out after five months. I was gutted because I wanted one of them books. You know, everyone signs a book in treatment when you get to the end of it. They sign this book to say, well done, mate, you've done it, you've done it. And I was five months into this treatment, and they threw me out because they said... We think, what did he say to me? They sat me down in this group and they said, I don't think we can do anything more with you, Nick. I think we've gone as far as we can. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's what he said to me. So I was sat on the train station crying, drinking a can of lager, thinking, I'm doomed. I'm doomed. i got to go back to that life. And I didn't want to. From the first time in my life, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to the carnage and chaos, which my life was, you know. All my life was was homelessness, prisons, carnage, day to day, just every day, you know. And uh, my family were in despair. I always remember speaking to my mum once, and she said, this is in recovery. And she said, Nick, do you want me to tell you what it was like when he was drinking? She said, every night, I lied in bed, going to sleep, waiting for someone to phone to say, we found you dead. Every night, for years and years and years. And it was quite a powerful thing, you know, and uh, this is what this group in AA has done for me. You know, it's given me, you know, it's given my parents their son back, you know, grandson now, you know. It's amazing when you think, you know, but to come from the life I've come from to where I am, it makes me laugh because I hear people go, you know, all this enthusiasm stuff. What do you mean? When you've come from where I've come from, I'm not one of these people. I should be dead. I should have been dead years ago. You know, people like me don't get to 13 years in recovery living life like I'm living out there. They don't. You don't see that. Never. You know, all the people I knew out there when I was out there, they're in jail or they're dead. Fact. So should I be enthusiastic about the stuff I got in my life? Bloody right I should. It's incredible. You know, I've come from two different lives, completely lost. I never thought I would get back from that life, ever. I've walked into this group 13 years ago, a complete AA skeptic, because I didn't like AA. I hated AA when I walked into AA, because when I was in treatment, right, I was made to go to AA, and I don't like being made to do anything, right? And I was sat in that meeting, and I had to say, my name's Nick, I'm an alcoholic at the beginning, right? And I would sit there, terrified, and it would go round, and everyone would go, oh, my name's so and so, someone would get to me, and I'm crapping myself. And I would say, oh, my name's Nick, I'm an alcoholic, and I would go away from that meeting, right, all night, all week, thinking, I hope I said that right. Did I say that like this? Did I say that like this? I wonder what they thought of me saying, all I said was my name's Nick, I'm an alcoholic. And I'd be sat there all week thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? That is what my thinking is like. That is alcoholism, you know. And uh, and uh, when, I, when I arrived in Plymouth, I, I, was put in, I was being kicked out of another treatment, and I was lucky to come into a dry house down in Plymouth, and... Uh, I didn't want to go to AA because I didn't like AA meetings. And people hugged you in AA. That's the other thing I don't like is people hug. Not so bad now, right? But when I, trust me, when I walked into a meeting once, right, and the, the secretary came up and gave me a big cuddle, big hug, whatever you want to call it, cuddles are nice. <laughs> it freaked me out. I didn't know whether to hit him or not. I really thought it, it terrified me. You know, I'm not cuddly now, really. I cuddle with my son and that, obviously. Do you know what I mean? I'm not weird and that, but I'm not really into cuddles that much. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's not really my thing. With my sponsor, of course, you know, I, I, I owe a lot to my sponsor, do you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, so when I, when I arrived in this meeting, I didn't believe in AA, but I was, I was a very, very sick man. And uh, 
and my thinking was terrible. I was climbing the walls. I was living in a, a halfway house, and uh, my head wouldn't shut up. My head would not shut up. I had no peace of mind. There was no ease and comfort there. I'd been sober a short while, and I was climbing the walls. My head just was thinking, thinking this, thinking that. I'd walk into Plymouth Town Centre, right? Someone would laugh a mile away, and I'd think he's laughing at me, which is fine, but then I'd go home to my halfway house and then think about it day in, day out, non-stop. This person, I don't even know him. He's laughing at me a mile, well, not laughing at me, just laughing. And I'm sat there then for weeks thinking about what he's doing. I can't sleep at night because I'm thinking about this person laughing at me. I don't even know him, right? And that's when I knew I'm in the shit. Yeah, I really am in trouble and I'm going to drink again. So I've got to go to AA. And I come along to this meeting skeptical and uh, I was amazed. I can honestly say I, I walked in on a Tuesday night and I, the, ident- the identification I got was incredible. I related to everyone, you know, just like the speakers tonight, you know, every bit of what they said, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And it was differences, you know what I mean? But I heard my story and everyone, and then they spoke about this second part of their recovery, how their lives changed and they could live in sober, lives working and functioning normal. And I just thought, no, that won't happen for me. But I had no, cho- I had no choice. I had no choice at all. I had to do what you guys did, you know, and uh, I did it. I got a sponsor that night. My sponsor got me doing all these weird things, like praying and all this stuff. But he always made it clear, you don't have to believe in God. You know, it's just a higher power, your understanding. I was always made clear from early days, so if I believe in whatever I want. So it did make it easier, but it was weird getting on my knees and praying. i got to say, it was odd. It was really odd at first, but within a week of doing this program, I felt hope like I'd never felt before. So it made me want to do more, you know? This is an action program. You've got to do it if you're going to get it. It's like someone who's got diabetes. Here's 100, whatever it is, mil of uh, insulin. Take this, you'll be all right. Oh, I'll just take 50. And then wonder why you're feeling crap. Simple, really. You know, you just got to do it all. And I, and I, and I you know, when I come in, I was pretty brain damaged, but I caught on to that, that I've really got to get stuck into this if I'm going to get this. I've really got to give it my all because... I knew I was going to die, and I did that. I got a sponsor. He gave me simple suggestions to do, and I got stuck in. You know, meeting up for coffee in the early days. I was in Dingles today, and uh, it was quite weird, you know, because even the staff saying, hey, I haven't seen you for a long time. You know, it's like, for me, it's part of AA, because we used to go there in the early days. It'd be loads of us. It'd be like 50 of us, you know what I mean? And these three guys have been a big part of my recovery, so such a, I'm so grateful to be sharing with them. You know what I'm saying? So I always remember our conversations with Chris and Arash in the early days when I used to just go out waffling on and they couldn't shut me up. You probably phoned me up and you didn't want to phone for an hour. You know, but um, things have changed so much over the years. You know, as I said about not being able to work, you know, I, uh, I was a year and a half in my recovery, right? And all I did was service all the time. Just service, 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 service. I'd go for coffee every day, sort of six days a week. I'd have Sunday off. And that's all I did. And I remember phoning Wayne one day saying, you know, thinking, yeah, look, pat on the back, doing loads of service, Wayne, you know, I'm doing loads of coffees. Oh, yeah. I mean, talks all the time. And he said, uh, that's great, Nick, but get a job, you daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I did, you know, and trust me, for me to get a job was bonkers, you know. I mean, my first job I had to do was that, uh, Nando's and uh, and to get the job I had to do a chicken dance don't ask me to do it right 
I had to do a chicken dance. And in my head, my first thought, look, I'm going. I'm not going to do this. I'm off. You know, you're having a laugh. And yeah, I don't want to do a chicken dance. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but what I've learned in AA, and I've learned this, is not run away. Just keep on doing it. Just keep... I used to think, what would Wayne do? And I think now, I don't know if Wayne would do a chicken dance. <laughs> to be honest. So anyway, I did this chicken dance, and I'm sure I blushed, and I went red. And I got this job, right? And when I got this job, what was mad was, everyone in this job at Nando's, they were all on my step four. Every type of person was on it. Every person I'd written down, it was there. And they were winding me up and annoying me. And... I worked with them, honestly, and that, to me, when you get a job, right, is where you learn, you know, it's a bridge to normal living, that's where you learn, not when I'm in town having coffee and working with others and just doing service all the time, it's great, do it, don't get me wrong, but I'm not really learning what it's like to live life on life's terms at all, you know, but when I got out there working, trust me, then I worked at Nando's for three years, and I reckon I want to have a medal for that, <laughs> and I mean it, right, that job... I'll be straight, it was, it was a pain in the ass. It really was. Because of Wayne saying, you know, it's good, it's good for your spiritual condition. I kept doing it, I kept doing it every day. And you know what, we used to have meetings once a month, right? And we'd finish work one in the morning after grafting, cleaning the old restaurant down, and then we'd have meetings till five in the morning on a Saturday. <laughs> five in the morning. I used to get home six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to do my inventory and that. You know, it's just... But yeah, as I said... Uh, Today, my life's just changed so much. You know, I'm in a job I shouldn't be in. You know, I am. The job I'm in now, my job now, the place I used to get banned from everywhere. Now I actually work in a place. They give me, the, basically, they give me an identification card so I can go out the back and I can make sure they got everything there, you know, and all the big superstores and stuff. I used to be banned from everywhere, you know. It's incredible. Now, my job is going here to make sure that they're selling it. So instead of stealing from them now, my job is to go in and make sure they're making and selling it and making more money from it. It's quite profound, really, isn't it? If you told me that when I walked into it, I wouldn't have believed it. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, my life as a full-time dad, a full-time job, I was a bum dropout loser from the gutters of Cardiff, and you watch what I'm doing out there today. It's not just about what I'm doing in AA. It's about what I'm doing out there. It is bonkers. It is bonkers. I can come from that life, right? And be where I am today. And it's all because in the 12 steps, because of sponsorship and a very, very, very powerful group like this one, which I really feel blessed to be in. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.